Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we are talking about a topic that has certainly been on my mind for the last few weeks, and that is grief. So when grief shows up out of nowhere, and Lauren and I looked up the definition of grief, and the definition of grief is deep sorrow, especially something that's caused by someone's death. Grief is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering you feel when someone or something you love is taken away. And over the last few weeks, I have found myself really grieving my old life. And as we enter this new stage of, you know, the pandemic and a level of uncertainty, I've been really grieving a lot more than I thought I would in 2022. So we wanted to open this topic up because a lot of you actually responded to my Instagram stories and my Instagram posts when I started to talk about the grief that I was feeling. And we thought it would be a great topic to talk on the podcast. Yeah. So I'm curious what made you originally say I'm grieving rather than I'm just like upset or my anxiety is really bad. So I think that the, the latter is also true. Yeah. You know, I was feeling sad. I was feeling a sense of sadness that like, I honestly haven't felt in a while. And I felt my anxiety was also increasing. But I think what, you know, really kind of struck me was wedding planning. Mm-hmm. So, or wedding celebration. So something that should have been so happy and celebratory, it was really highlighted how different life is. You know, when Jeremy and I got engaged, we were over the moon excited. And at the same time, we could not invite all of our loved ones, family and friends to a bar or to our home to celebrate. And not being able to celebrate these milestones, I think really impacted me in a way that I didn't think it would. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like my life continues to be really different. And at the same time, like I really am grieving and missing my old life. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to grief, it's a really natural response to loss. And when you feel like something has been taken away, and I think for so many of us, it, you know, our lives have been changed and they've been uprooted and we're still trying to navigate this new normal. Like what is normal in 2022 and how can we continue to live our lives in a way where our emotional well-being and our physical well-being and our mental well-being are at a place where we want it to be and continue life in a pandemic. Yeah, it's tough. And it's kind of a weird space to be too, because it's like, you know, things are open and you can technically do these things, but it's going to bring you more anxiety to do them, you know? Yeah. So finding that balance that works for you, I think is important. I, you know, something that I've been thinking about a lot is this risk reward. 
So I can, I know I cannot no longer stay at home and do nothing mm-hmm. because that's going to impact my mental health in a way where I don't want it to. Right. And so it's all reverse reward, but you know, going back to this feeling of grief, I think I finally recognize that we are not returning to 2019. Mm-hmm. I think in the last like year and a half, two years, I'm like, oh, we'll get to a place where we go back in time. We'll get back to 2019 pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it finally hit me like, no, like this is actually the new normal. Like we'll continue to live with this, but there is no returning to 2019. And I think that moment of time, like really struck me. And I was like, holy crap, like we're not going back. Like this is how life is going to be. And not to be like a Debbie Downer, because I think that things are continuing to change and evolve and, you know, life is like, will continue to be great, but it's just going to be different. And I think that's the piece that I'm really grieving is how different life feels. Totally. Yeah. It's so interesting how different people deal with it too. Cause I've definitely gone in waves throughout the pandemic where, you know, at the very beginning when there was so, so much fear to the point where like I was at Austin's family's house. And we were supposed to go back to my parents' house. Like this was like the first week or two. And we were like, we can't, like, we don't know if it's like literally sitting on the door, like COVID sitting on the doorstep. And the second we walk outside, we're going to bring it to them. Like, are we going to bring it in on our clothes? Like so much, so much uncertainty. Yes. So much fear and so much uncertainty. And I just remember talking to my, um, therapist at the time and, she didn't really have an answer for me. And I was like, well, fuck, I <laughs> guess that's, that's just, it. and it was a really like adulting growing up moment for me. Um, I'm not sure if we've talked about this before, but we should honestly probably do a whole episode on it, but I've had realizations where it's, you know, people are just people like it's yeah. actually fucking terrifying. A surgeon is a surgeon. They have human yeah. error. And same thing with like your parents, you grow up. Like, I don't think I ever saw my parents cry growing up. Right. And you forget that like, they're just emotional human beings too. And so is your therapist and they have human error. And it is honestly like one of the hardest realizations growing up because you're like, yes. no one's, no one's going to save me. You know, like you have to kind of just pen <laughs> for yourself, which again, sounds so horrible, but it's, I actually, I had this exact moment. I think it was like a few weeks ago where I was hoping to find some relief in therapy. And she was like, I know she's like, it's terrible. Like what we're going through is terrible. And I could see like, she almost started crying and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I was looking, I was coming here to looking for answers. And at the end of the day, like we're all humans We're, you know, we don't have all the answers. It's, yeah. it's just not possible, but the best thing you can do for someone is create space yep. for someone to grieve, for someone to talk about their losses and, you know, what their experience has been like overall. Yeah. And I think there's this component of like toxic positivity in there too, where like, you don't want totally. someone to be like, Oh, don't worry. It's going to be all over soon. You know? So it's 100%. like, how do you create the space, but also not create like unrealistic expectations. And that's a hard thing to do. And it's just, I think we grow up in our childhood. If you're so lucky to feel safe in your home right. that, you know, you, you just, it's weird when you're not constantly protected by yes. your home environment. It's it's also interesting how differently people 
have either handled the pandemic or continue to handle it. I think as someone with an anxious style of attachment or just an anxious, uh, just anxiety being my baseline, um, I, I don't like risk. And so for me, when we're talking about risk reward, for some people, they might be like, well, the risk is minimal, but my anxious brain attaches to, but there is a risk. And if there's a mini risk, that is enough for me to be hesitant. But, you know, this is something that I'm going to continue to work on with myself and, and therapy too, is just recognizing risk reward and how important it is to continue with life. You know, I'm triple vaxxed and I'm taking the proper precautions, but at the end of the day, like I need to continue with life. And it's that interesting balance of grieving the life that you once knew and also being able to move forward with the life that you're in now. Totally. Totally. Are you risk averted in like all areas of your life? Oh yeah. Like I've never done drugs for that reason. You know, there was a time where I wouldn't even drink alcohol because I didn't like feeling any different. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this. Um, I'm extremely risk adverse in all areas. Something that I'm, by the way, trying to push back on a little bit, because I think that some risk is good and it's a really nice way to kind of expose yourself Mm -hmm. and you know, different ways of exposure therapy, but I would say I'm definitely risk adverse. Yeah. Thanks, it's so Mom. funny. Cause it's something that, I mean, totally going off topic here, but I'm, those are the best episodes I feel like. So, yeah. um, it's come up a lot for Austin and I recently because he is, I don't want to say risk adverse, but like definitely I'm very risk oriented, which is interesting. Cause I am an anxious person and I guess not in every area of my life, but with, you know, the house search and everything, I'm just like, it's not the best area, but we can feel safe here. And it's a good investment and da, 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 da. And he's like, Warren, no, we need to be in this area and like, take a fucking chill pill. Like take a step back. We don't need to ha- like our leases up in August We right. have time. Um, and it's just been interesting to see. Cause I'm very much like, let's just like pull the trigger and like, hopefully it ends up well. And I think my brain is like, well, usually when we pull the trigger, like it's, it's still an educated decision. And most of the time it ends up. Of okay. Course. So, yes. and it's funny because in therapy, when I was younger too, my therapist would always say to me, you know, you're, you're really a unique client. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because you do have this like generalized anxiety and everything, but the, like I continued to expose myself to every little thing, no matter the fear. Cause I was like, I'm not like, let's just do it. Let's just try it. Like, this is scary, but like, let, like I specifically remember this with, I had a huge fear of buses. And in college we had to go on a bus to do like our sorority formals and everything. And I skipped it at first. And when we talked through it, she's like, what's the worst that can happen? Blah, blah, blah. And I got on the bus and that was that. And it's funny you mentioned the drug thing too, because I was not really an anxious person in high school and I did Molly and oh Lord, I never did any drug again after that because I was fucking terrified of just like (laughs) not feeling in control, really cursing a lot. I mean, I was so anxious that I was too anxious to do, to have an anti-anxiety medication because I was afraid of what it would make my body feel like. Same. I was afraid of taking freaking, um, NyQuil. Cause I'm like, well, there's a little bit of alcohol in it. It might trigger a panic attack. Yeah. No, no, no. Same. Mm -hmm. But going back to what you were saying, what I think is interesting about you too, 
is I think that you're so growth oriented that you're willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone and expose yourself because that means that you're going to continue to grow, which I think is such a great, um, characteristic. And I, I will say that I expose myself to certain things that I feel will help me, but if there's any type of danger that my brain can attach to, like that's when I don't fully allow myself to be exposed. Yeah. But therapy definitely helps as does some good old anti-anxiety meds once I allowed myself to take them. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing now? So I feel much better. So the last few weeks were kind of a low for me. And what's so interesting is I don't remember experiencing that. And I think I texted you that I'm like, I feel like depressed. Like I just, I don't feel myself. I also think I was coming off of this like engagement high and all of a sudden it's like, okay, like now we're kind of back to reality and and resettling. It's like coming Um, home from like a really relaxing vacation. Well, yes, there's two sides of that. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's nice to get back to your routine, but sometimes it's like, oh fuck, I hate this reality. Well, it's it's any time that you were so excited for, and now things like kind of normalize again and you, you go back into your routine. But, you know, Jeremy and I are, we're starting the wedding planning stuff and that's definitely creating some anxiety for me just as far as like planning goes. Like you could just, you can't plan. Like we're looking at spring, um, fall 2022, spring 2023. And, you know, it's like, do we do a big indoor event and just, you know, hope for the best that there isn't a variant if that's what we want. So it's, there's definitely just more planning that needs to be involved. But as far as how I'm feeling, I went up on my uh, Lexapro, my medication, and it's made a tremendous difference, like huge. I feel myself again. Um, I'm trying to engage in some self-care. So, uh, you know, moving my body in a way that feels good. I have been taking these hot showers turning the lights off, lighting a candle and playing like acoustic music. Bernie literally texted me after she did that. And she's like, I swear, this is like a hack for life. Yes. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like I I felt like a different person. I felt calm. I was happy. So just trying to do small things that make me really happy, you know, FaceTiming friends for long periods of time, like truly brings me joy. And this is something that I talk about a lot. And I'm sure you do too with clients as far as like self-care tools, Um, so really just expanding my toolkit and making sure that I'm getting my basic needs met sleep, hydration, you know, nourishing my body, moving my body. And so I feel really good, but I still thought it was important to bring this up because I feel like on Instagram, like people just put on such a happy face all the time. And it's like, no, like it's okay to struggle and it's okay to feel low. Yeah. And I think your awareness around, you know, having dealt with this all of your life is definitely, has benefited you not to put words in your mouth, but like, just so that the second that you feel that way, you're like, okay, you know, like I need the hot shower. I need to go up on my medication. And like, so that you're able to handle it. Like, I remember when I first started having anxiety, it's like such a process. You're like, what is this feeling? So when you've dealt with it for a while, it's like, okay, maybe we need to increase the therapist visits. Maybe we need to increase the medication. How can I increase, you know, self-care around this time? Yes. I do think that experiencing lows are really important, but I think what I have experienced knowing is when it gets to a place where it's like, okay, like I've been low for like a week or two weeks. Like it's one thing to feel low a day, a few days, but when it gets to that point where I'm like, I, I really don't 
feel myself. I will also say, and Laura and I are going to try to get someone on who focuses on hormonal health, but I was also getting my period, which I didn't recognize my psychiatrist at the time or my current psychiatrist was like, you know, like you should be increasing your medication dose before and during your menstrual cycle because your hormones are so out of whack and you can get more depressed and you can get more sad, which I thought was so interesting. Obviously ask your own doctor what they recommend, but I'm definitely going to continue to do that. I ended up just staying on the higher dose. Um, and I feel really good. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I'm, I'm interested to have that conversation with an expert because I honestly, I know about hormones, but not nearly as much as I would like to, because it is a really interesting topic. Um, but I, I don't even know if I told you this, but when I went, I've been on and off birth control just for so many reasons, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, well, I don't want to pump the hormones into my body. Oh, but like, I don't want to, you know, have to deal with another method or, the acne or whatever was going on. And when I came off of it, I went to a trip, um, to visit my friend in San Diego at the time. I, I could barely, I mean, I ended up enjoying it, but like I could barely enjoy the trip. I was so freaking anxious. And did you get off right before? Yeah. And that's something else that no one talks about. Even like you know, birth control can make you feel really depressed and really anxious. Well, that's part of the reason I came off it at that point, because I was like, I wonder how I'm going to feel even better when I come off of it, if I'm anxious now. And then nobody tells you that, well, at first it's probably gonna, you know, mess with you a little bit and you're, you might be more anxious. So be prepared. And I talked to one of my friends who's a functional medicine dietitian and she was like, cause she knows a lot about hormones. She was like, oh yeah, you need to go up on your anxiety medication. Don't do any high intensity, like type of workouts, make sure you're eating enough carbs, like all of that kind of stuff, which is so interesting. So interesting. So I definitely want to, um, explore that a little bit, especially for you guys, our listeners. So we can yes. So. so I wanted to switch gears a little bit, still talking about grief, but tying it into dieting. Yes, and diet wait, I have one question for you. Yes. Do wedding venues now have like contingencies or anything? Like, can you put a deposit and it's like, Oh, well, if this happens, then you can back out. Cause I feel like that's something. It's should- a really good question that I don't have the answer to. Mm-hmm. I think some venues are more lenient than others, Okay, but I have friends who have like fully lost their deposits when they were supposed to get married in 2021 oh. or 2020. So I don't know. I think it really depends on the venue, but you know, I have a friend who's getting married in two weeks and she had 70 people adults drop in the last few weeks. Like, so it's, it's like, say they're not coming. Yeah. So wow. she went from 270 to 200. So it was a really, really big wedding, but now yeah. it's mostly kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure how it, how it works. I think every venue is pretty different. But that's definitely something that I'm considering because again, like you just, you can only plan what you can plan. And then beyond that, like there's just no way of knowing. Right. And it's kind of like, what can we do in this process to like make it feel a little bit less stressful? And maybe that is picking a venue that has some more flexibility, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And for some people that meant, you know, outdoor space, although Mm -hmm. then you're always dealing with weather. So, um, it will be interesting and, I'm hoping in the next like few weeks, we'll plan a bit more and get a better understanding of what we want to do. Cause I'm sure that will make me feel more at ease as, as well. 100%. As the more you get, you know, handled, the easier it'll be. Yes. So going back to dieting, 
Yes. So I want to talk about grief as far as dieting and diet culture goes, because I do think that when you start the intuitive eating journey and you begin to reject diet culture, there is a level of grief that happens as well. Mm-hmm. And some examples of this might be perhaps you always bonded with a group of friends and you always did a certain diet together and you had that built-in community and sense of belonging. And now that you've sort of rejected diet culture and are going down a different path, you no longer have that same type of community. Like that could feel like grief. Or if you are someone who was so preoccupied and obsessed with your body and food and that became your identity, you're now grieving that identity and you're trying to figure out like, who am I now? Like when I'm not with food, when I'm not thinking about food in my body, who am I? And then lastly, like, of course, like grieving your old body, you know, if there are photos of you or there's clothing that you loved, how it looked on your body and the compliments that you received, it is really normal to grieve, but And I will be completely honest. Like there are times where I look at old photos of myself and I'm like, I look really good. Like I I really like how I look and I'm grieving that. And at the same time, I can recognize at this stage, like I was really unhealthy and really unhappy at that point. Yeah. And so creating some nuance in the conversation is definitely important. Yeah, totally. It's almost like kind of back to your risk reward thing. Like I would never risk what I have in my life now to be back to that size. Completely. Yeah. And and one activity I do with clients when they're still kind of teetering on like, do I want to go down this route or do I want to do another diet? Is like, what have the pros and cons been? Like, what are the risks reward um, when it comes to diets? Because, you know, there are some pros. If you, if you get your sense of community and sense of belonging from a diet, or you like having structure and discipline, like that could be a pro for someone, but then what are the costs and are the costs outweighing the pros? And so that's something you definitely want to consider, but I just wanted to normalize how one can grieve during this process that we're doing with clients, because it's normal to miss the old you and whether that's physically or emotionally. Yeah. So I think that in grief, it would be really interesting to see what are you missing, right? So whether that's the size of your body, are you missing the compliments you are getting? Are you missing, um, you know, the attention that you got from men or women? Are you missing? Is it about like, feeling like you're not taking up as much space. Like what are those things? If it's a diet, are you missing the community? Like Britt mentioned, are you missing the structure and planning? Well, how can we cultivate that in another way? So if it's your body, then I always say that validation from others that's giving you confidence is not true confidence, right? Because it's not from within it's relying on the external sources to give you your confidence, right? So how can we increase your confidence by just feeling aligned with your values and feeling confident in what you do and your passions and your gifts, right? Because everybody has gifts and passions and values. So how can we cultivate that and bring more of that into your life? Things that make you feel good. I always say it's so interesting, like how I personally, one of my gifts that I consider is inclusion, right? Because so the way that you can come up with this is, well, what 
and this is from Molly from Molly Kate Wellness. Wellness. She's amazing. And she taught me this, like what makes your heart happy and what makes your heart sad. And one thing that makes my heart sad is when I see people being left out that for no reason, right. When they seem like they're really good people or whatever. So one of my gifts is inclusion. Like if somebody's like not in on the conversation, be like, Oh, Hey, we're talking about this, whatever, like little things like that. So I found that in my life, when I feel included, that's when I feel my most confident. And it's not a matter of what the size of my body is. It's the people that I'm around that make me feel that way. Um, and not by what they're saying, but just like the energy and the vibes. A hundred percent. I love that idea of trying to figure out what is it that you're missing Yeah, because it's, it could be really helpful to kind of figure out like, how can I then mimic that in other areas mm-hmm. of my life? As you said. Yes. Exactly. So all to say is I hope this episode did not come off somber. It also (laughs) is like very gloomy in New York and snowy. Um, But I wanted to normalize grief, both in the pandemic world, or if you're experiencing a loss of a loved one or a family friend, and of course, feeling grief in diet culture and where you are in your relationship with food and body. It's so important to normalize it. And we as always hope that these conversations can help even one listener out there feel seen, feel heard, and hopefully continue the conversations with others. Yes. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.